shotglassdigital.com. Geek Out Loud is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash geekout. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player of your choice. Audibletrial.com slash geekout. Help us out, guys. Come on. Come on, help us out. This episode of Geek Out Loud, Eris Chernovai stops by to join us for another Pass the Corn, Pass the Cruise segment, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking movies, we're talking cruise, we're talking all kinds of fun stuff on this your safe place to geek out. This is the Geek Out Loud Podcast. Again, everyone, and welcome to Geek Out Loud, your safe place to geek out on the internet. It's our 150th anniversary, and I can think of no one I'd rather spend it with than the man we've got with us right now. Now, we'll play the music to start the segment in a little bit, but all the way back, I, I, I just got to know, did you survive the Comic-Con without the Comic-Con crud? Ladies and gentlemen, Eris Chernovice. What's up? How you doing, my friend? Good, man. I guess I just love that opening music. <laughs> it just gets me so pumped. Like I could run into the destruction of Metropolis like Ben Affleck in the <laughs> Superman Batman trailer. Yes. Yes, like Batfleck. Oh, Except man. for the fact that I can't run and that I would probably drop of a heart attack after like three feet. But I'm like, still I, I'm I would like, be pumped to do so. I'm more like Jerry Seinfeld. I choose not to run. I'm more like uh, Sean Connery in The Untouchables. Enough of this running shit. <laughs> I edited myself a little bit I at the end. Yeah, so I know this is a family show. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, we are. I mean, it's good. To, did you did, now? Did you come away with any of the Comic Con crud at all? No crud this time. No crud. The, the usual Comic Con exhaustion. Yeah. But uh, but no crud. How how was your Comic Con? A lot of time, man, in the old Dale Ray booth. Uh, at the old Delray Star Wars booth the whole time with uh, with Jawa Jimmy, nice uh, from from Club Jade. Yeah, he was there with me, and uh, I had my oldest nephew there. It brought him for his birthday. Did so? You, it was uh, it was a good time. Did a lot you of fun? Did you get any past the corns at all? I did. Good. I did. I had somebody come up to me, like just she stopped at the booth and like smiled and. She just leaned forward and kind of whispered, pass the cord. Oh, and I was on. just like, yes, pass the cord. <laughs> That's awesome. I would have, people are like, what is going on? 
your colleagues still haven't figured it out that no, you're that no. you're becoming an internet celebrity. Maybe an internet celeb utard, more <laughs> likely. <laughs> well, dude, I'm excited. I'm I'm looking forward. I think we're going to have some fun talking the stuff we're going to talk about tonight. Of course, we'll be looking ahead at the movies of August in our Pass the Corn segment, and then we're going to be talking something I never thought I'd talk about on Geek Out Loud. We're talking Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, baby. Man. Somebody, somebody's got a big movie opening tomorrow. Yes, sir. At the time of this recording, uh, Mission Impossible uh, Rogue Nation uh, comes out, and I'll be I'll be going to see it ASAP. I, 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 I like the look up. We'll talk about that as we get into talking about the cruise himself. Before we get into all that, though, I want to say thanks to everyone who is uh, helping the shows out by clicking on the Amazon links that you can find at Geek Out Online and geekoutpodcast.com. Just do your regular shopping the way you normally would at Amazon, but just go to those sites first and use that link to get to Amazon, and uh, it helps the shows out in a big, bad way. And a huge thank you so much to everyone who chooses of your own free will and volition to pitch in to the Golaverse on a regular basis through Patreon at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. Our featured supporter this week is from uh, guest from last time, Mitchell Huff. Remember back in the Silver Age of comics, Superman used his super hypnotism? That. That's Mitchell's superpower. Only funnier and with more personality and better vocals. Our featured supporter this week, Mitch Huff, and we appreciate him. And uh, check him and Steve Schoenborn out. Eris, you've been on a show with uh, Shoney before. We yeah. talked some Star Wars. Check them out at the Lost Hours podcast and let them know uh, that Geek Out Loud sent you. So, Erish, we got to open this thing up right. So I'm just going to say, hey, Erish. Hey, Steve. Pass the corn. Pass the corn, man. The core. Now, Erish, before we get too deep into August, I know you watched Ant-Man tonight. What'd you I think? am fresh from the theater, man. What'd you think? I was absolutely surprised. I right? really, I really dug this movie. Yes. Right? I liked it. I, I liked it a lot. <laughs> well, it occurs to me that Marvel, one of the things that they're doing with some of these things is they're just trying out different genres with the superhero throne. And this was a heist movie more than anything else. It was a heist movie. But the thing that I was really surprised about was how connected to the Marvel Cinema Universe this movie was. I mean, yes. right from the very beginning, you get this flashback scene with Howard Stark and with... Uh, with um, Agent Carter and stuff, and and like the Triskelion under construction, and I was just, so like right away, it's like okay, this is a Marvel movie. This isn't this just standalone little thing that they did. Right, right. But it but it wasn't it wasn't so ham fisted and heavy handed that it felt like uh, Iron Man two, where they're intentionally trying to cram a lot of stuff in to. Make it no, connected. where they brought the Marvel stuff in was very organic to to the story that they were telling and worked really well. Yes, agreed. And I'll tell you, one of the things I haven't really talked about a lot from this uh, from the movie airs is that is the promise of the microverse <laughs> that yeah. we could we can very well get a microverse movie at some point. <laughs> we could, or it might be something that gets worked into the Doctor Strange movie. Oh yes. 
Crossroads of Infinity kind of stuff. You know, wouldn't it be cool if, you know, Doctor Strange had uh, something to do with one of the kind of open-ended plot points in oh, this? Oh, that'd be amazing. I'm being careful. I'm trying not to spoil that's, stuff. That's but. fine. We've, we've talked about it in depth on, on oh, the okay. show, so we'll just say spoiler. But I know exactly what you're talking about as far yeah, as I mean, the Janet. Wasp. Yeah, Man, I dude, I really dug it. And, and the, one of the things I've seen online a lot of people saying is, so for Marvel, uh, I've uh, I've become emotionally invested in a tree person, a raccoon, and now an ant. <laughs> I was really sad when ants right, died. right. Oh, I was sad, and then I was angry. Like you killed Anthony. Yes, yes, and it just and dude, Paul Rudd. I don't know why I ever doubted, and I've been very clear that I kind of doubted this movie, and I don't know why I ever yeah, doubted. Yeah, I was clear too. I I had a big doubts about it. I love Paul Rudd in this movie, and I'll I'll be honest with you. When uh, someone emailed in uh, about an Easter egg that I had missed in the movie, and that that tank that Hank's carrying around on the keychain, and the footage that they're showing where um, where Cross is showing like the old black and white war right. footage with the Ant Man. Uh, he shrinks the tank that he's carrying around. Oh, okay. So it's I missed that too. I did, yeah, I did too, and I'm like, that's awesome. But I love that tank scene. I was just like, yes, dude. When he holds it up, he's like, she's like, how are we going to get out? He's like, with this, and I'm like, he's oh, like, this isn't a keychain. I just died laughing. Like that was my response. Was I just louder than I'd laughed at anything else in that movie? I'm like, he's about to drive a tank out of that place. Oh no! See the the point where I really laughed was the Thomas the Tank Engine. Scene. Oh sure, sure. Well, when yeah, when he grew it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that whole situation. Just just it laying on top of the police car and yeah. the, the eyes like bobbling back and forth. I love the little girl. Uh, she, I did too, and normally I hate the cute little kids in these movies. Oh uh, well, when she looks at the lieutenant, she's like, "I hope you don't find him." Yeah, I was just like, "I'm sold. I'm I'm with her now." Uh, I thought the movie had a lot of heart, dude, and it was in and it exceeded every expectation I had. A lot of heart, not just in with between him and his little girl, but him and his uh, cellmate buddy. Yes, you know, you, yeah. You, the two of them were really close, and. You know, he his cellmate friend. I'm sorry, I wish I could remember his name right now, but you know, great comic relief in it too. All the um, way around, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the I love the fact that it's a good redemption story. You know, when Scott Lang in the comics took over the Ant Man, or took over when he attained the mantle of the Ant Man in in the comics, the the title of the comic itself was the Irredeemable Ant Man. Mm. And and I love the and that was something that he was always chasing was that bit of redemption and I love the fact this was just a great story of redemption and you know and you can bounce back and you know he's trying to do everything right and uh, oh it's just it was so everything about it like I don't think there was a wasted moment in the movie uh, it, it just it worked on so many levels for me I do think that in and maybe this could be like an episode of Agents of Shield or something like that. There needs to be a story about how there are so many old men running around the Marvel universe that look like Stan Lee. <laughs> well, you have you seen the theory that like he's the Watcher? <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. Isn't I that... hadn't seen that. That would be great. There's a... Except the wa- the Watcher doesn't really communicate with people though, right? 
Yeah, but you know, it's the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. They can change that up. Yeah, I the, the I like I love that when I saw that. It's like he's everywhere. The only thing that that kind of breaks that down a little bit is his role in the Incredible Hulk, where he drinks the soda and drops it. But uh, but maybe he was watching something else. Maybe, he's taking a break from being a watcher. That's right. That's right. He was he was just doing his thing. So I really, uh, but yeah, I think that's a funny thing, and uh, it would be funny to hear him say, "Well, you know, we've got this whole." Like just bring Stanley on is almost a, a multiple man kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> but I think he's, um, I think he's under the X Men banner. Um, so now let me ask you this: yes. Do you do you want to see an Ant Man too, or would, do you think the one movie was enough? And I would go. Yeah, I'd go see an Ant Man too. I'd I'd watch him. Um, I'd watch him do whatever. I, I like the fact that he got into the Avengers at the end. You know that when he says they said yes, uh, I, that was him. Oh, I missed that part. Well, the, it's the whole little end sequence where the guys tell him the story, and he says, "So what he say?" And he said, "He said yes." And I just assumed that was him saying that he was he was okay to go to the Avengers. No, see, I, I didn't. I, that's not how I read that. I read that in that that the Falcon was interested in talking to him about okay. maybe working with them, right. but. Not that he was definitively in the Avengers. Well, okay, yeah, that's true. And that's, then, and then the the credit, the, the, the scene from Cap Three yeah, kind of hints yeah. at that also with yeah. the I know a guy. Yeah, and what a I mean, what a slap in the face, a departure from what we'd seen when you hit that that post credit sequence. Um, yeah, like everything's all this. I was like, oh crap, we're back in the real Marvel universe now. <laughs> I stopped people from walking out. Like, oh, do like, you? Excuse you me, do- can we get by? I'm like, where are you going? This isn't over yet. And the woman just turned to her, to her boyfriend or her husband. She's like, see, I told you there was more. I'm like, yeah, there's a Captain America scene coming. Nice. She's like, I told you there was another scene. I told you. And he's like, he's like all right, all right. Oh, man. I See, I just let people fall on their own sword. When they start getting them leaving, I'm like, see ya. And most people, I, there was just something about this couple. Yeah. Like, I was just like, I'm going to do you a solid. Oh, man. And then and now all the way home, she's like, I told you so. I told yeah. you so. No, they were they were. Like I was talking to them after the movie as we were walking out. They loved the cap scene. They're like, thank you so much for stopping us. That's and awesome. then we were just talking about the movie in general, and they really, really liked it. They were like, we didn't think this was going to be that good, but we were really surprised. That's been kind of the overall thought process yeah. I've seen from just about everybody. Or, or you know, heard from everybody. Is that is that we and I mean, and my, myself included, that I was just shocked that it was, that I enjoyed it as much as I did. Yeah. I don't know that I want to see an Ant-Man 2, but I'm really excited to see how the three main characters, and possibly even Yellow Jacket, because he was pretty cool at the end, um, I'm excited to see how they get worked into the Marvel Universe after this. Sure, sure. Well, I, 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 how did you feel about the fight with the Falcon? Oh, it was awesome. Wasn't it great? I, I mean, loved it. I, I thought the Falcon was just going to be like a cup of coffee and like, you know... Hi, I'm the Falcon, and then he's gone. I, it just from the moment that he like flew in, and he's like, "This isn't some old warehouse," and you're like, "Yes, it's yeah. Avengers headquarters, <laughs> awesome!" And then the Falcon showing up, and the Falcon being able to see him, which a Falcon would has amazing eyesight, right, so it makes right. sense. And that whole fight was really cool. Yeah, I dug the whole thing. I loved yes. it. Yeah, I uh, it I, I was. I was like you. I was shocked when um, when that went down because I was just like I thought it was going to be 
when we knew because it kind of been spoiled that he was going in somewhere. Yeah, because they were showing him in the commercials on TV. And uh, I no, now see, I never saw the TV spots with the Falcon. Yeah, he the last week or so before the movie opened, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, like there's the Falcon. And wow. I'm like, all right, now they're getting. See, yeah, yeah I didn't, I didn't, desperate, see, I didn't right? see any of those. But I, all I knew was that he was going somewhere with the Avengers, and I expected like a shot of you know Tony's work desk or something like you know a cap shield sitting somewhere right. while he's walking by, real small. I didn't expect to see a, a full on like classic Marvel fight. The first time we meet, we've got a fight, kind of thing. And, but again, it was it was organic to the story yeah, that they were telling. Yeah, and and then when he comes out and he just and Hank's kind of getting on him about you know engaging the Falcon and going through with it, even though they realize it was, and he just pulls out the the thing he was supposed to be stealing. Yep. It's like I'm the best. What can I say? <laughs> it, it, again, organic. It was him passing a test. Like yes. I'm proving to you that I can do this. Oh. Yeah. And proving to hope that he could do it. Right, right. So oh. that was really kind of the scene where he started to turn her mm-hmm. into, all right, this guy can do it. Well, I also like the I like the scene with him and her in the car when she's frustrated and going to leave. And he's like, I love that. And he scene. says, I'm just going to speak to you as a father. You know, he's trying he's trying to keep you out of harm's way. I'm expendable. Yep. Because you knew that that was gonna, you knew why he didn't want her in the suit. You knew it went back to her mom disappearing. Right. You knew that there was probably the scene coming with Hank, like telling her about it all. So it was kind of refreshing to get it from Scott Lang's character instead. Mm-hmm. Like you're not expecting him to have that conversation. Yeah. With her about it, and that's why I love that scene so much. Was it caught me off guard? Yeah. And the other thing that I liked is that the romance it didn't come out of the blue. But yeah. it wasn't in your face until he opened that door. <laughs> well, and th- even then, it was just like we caught the tail end of it, and yes. then it was a nice little comedic moment. Too. Right, right. Oh, just shoot me again. Yeah, I th- I loved it. I thought it was great, and um, and I was, I you know, I would watch that cast again. Uh, Michael Douglas, Michael Douglas is yeah. not he's not signed on to do anything else. But I would watch that cast again. I would watch Paul Rudd again do do that. And I'm like you, though. I look forward to see how he's going to be uh, integrated into the rest of the Marvel U. Yeah. Um, you know, because everyone, it's it, Marvel does this thing sometimes where it's almost too much misdirection because everyone's got their eyes on the Spider-Man situation right now, and and. From Avengers, everyone was kind of looking over Ant-Man to Civil War, and and you just kind of forget, if you're not really thinking about it, you forget that here's this guy that's gonna that we all enjoyed that's probably going to show up, or now we know is going to show up in Civil War, and and it's just going to be a nice, not a surprise to everybody, but you know, kind of a, oh yeah, moment. And uh, and just I'm looking forward to seeing that. And he's also someone, dude. Like, you take these shows like the Luke Cage and the Iron Fist, and even Daredevil. I mean, do an episode of Daredevil with just that little bit of lighthearted edge to it. You know, after doing some Punisher stuff, yeah. And and have Scott Lang show up for an episode. Well, I think that they've said that for now the movie characters aren't going to cross over into the Netflix stuff, right? Uh, at least, at least until they get through this Defenders thing sure. that they're doing. Yeah, they've said that, but I'm I'm just yeah. telling you what I'd like no, to see. No, I agree with you. I think it'd be great to see that. Yeah. So. Um, part of the other thing I loved about the Falcon being in this is that the Falcon in 
the two movies that he's been in now has kind of become a fan favorite. Mm-hmm. Like we all really dig him, but he's not that big gun guy. Like I don't think we're ever going to see the Falcon get his own movie. He's going to no. be in the in the Hawkeye and mm-hmm. regrettably probably the Black Widow camp where we'd all love to see them be front and center, but we probably won't get to. Yeah. So he, here's a nice way to give him a cool moment away from Cap and Iron Man and Thor and all the big guns where it's just his scene with, uh, with Mm Ant-Man. And so I really dug that. We got that extra five, 10 minutes of Falcon. And not only that, but when, when Scott runs into him, he's not like, Oh, it's just the Falcon. He's blown away that it's an Avenger. Yeah. He's like, he's yeah it's this guy's a hero to him yeah and so he's just like and and that's what i appreciate is the fact that he is all about trying you know that that when he sees him it's a big deal and it lets the audience know okay falcon has become a big deal he's known as an avenger now you know in the in the time since that since the close of age of ultron falcon is now known as an avenger yeah and uh and i think that's really cool so dude i'm glad you got to see it and one last thing everybody's gonna be in civil war have you not seen like the cast list for this movie (laughs) (laughs) i think like every character in the marvel cinematic universe is gonna show more than more than cap three it's it's almost avengers three it looks like yeah so um yeah it's uh it's i'm i'm still i'll be honest with you i've been on the fence since it was announced about it um i it's it's a hard story to pull off and have i think satisfactory resolution i don't think we're gonna have resolution to it though i think that i think we're gonna have resolution to a part of the story i think the heart of the story is going to be about cap and bucky and i think that will have some resolution too but the overall civil war, the disharmony amongst mm-hmm. the heroes, I think that that's something that's going to continue through all the Phase Three movies and into and into the uh, the two Avengers sequels. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's going to be an overall kind of theme through Phase Three. So that so that when they do finally come back, they have to come back together for this. The Infinity time. Gauntlet is like you know mm-hmm. that's the thing that's going to make them put their differences aside. Yeah, I don't know. I just I you know I don't disagree with you, but I just feel like it's almost unfair because they've done a pretty good job, fairly good job, of of even while these single movies kind of tie into everything else, and you know they have they they have moments where they acknowledge other things. They've been pretty good at being standalone films for these characters. And I think that they still can be standalone films, but you can still have this, you can still have mention of the discord, Mm -hmm. you know, amongst it. It doesn't have to be front and center in the Black Panther movie or in the Doctor Strange movie, but there can be moments where it's mentioned or it's brought up. Outside of... um outside of the civil war or either of the other Avengers movies, is there a movie that you're more most intrigued by coming down the pike from Marvel? Well, I mean, obviously guardians of the galaxy too. Oh yeah. For, I, I mean, oh my guardians God. is my favorite Marvel movie. <laughs> okay. okay. I want to compare guardians of the galaxy two with my summer style air shop going to wear in Hawaiian <laughs> shirts over the summer. 
I know. And, and I love it because every time I catch a glimpse of myself in a window or a mirror, it just makes me smile. And I'm like, this brings me that modicum of happiness. You're a gentleman podcaster about town. You need to look sharp. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is like my Hawaiian shirt because I'll forget I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt. And then I'll see myself I'm like, oh, yeah, look at that. And Guardians, I forget that's coming down the pike. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we are getting Guardians too. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah, for sure. Um, one of these days we're going to have to do a show on kryptonite movies. You know, th those movies, if you're flipping through the channel and oh, you come across it, you can't not watch it for yeah. at least five or ten minutes. I think that'd be a three-parter. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, right now, Guardians, is it's like running on all the, the cable channels. Okay. And it's definitely... You know, of course. I, I still have it on my DVR. <laughs> nice. I love it. I love that movie. It was so good. So, um, but aside from that one, I think of the new stuff, stuff we haven't seen. Maybe, yet. I, maybe I should have worded it that way. I think that uh, I think probably in humans. Okay. See, I, I just, I just, I'm really excited to see Black Bolt. I, I think that'll be, if they. I think it could be really cool. I think in humans, I just want them living on the blue area of the moon. Yeah. I just feel like go for it. You know. I'm really looking forward to this Doctor Strange situation. It's got, not because of Benedict Cumberbatch, but it, it's just got me intrigued as to how is this going to translate, you know, with all the mystical stuff, and is he going into these other realms? Are we going to, you know, I'm just really, not that I've ever been a huge Doctor Strange fan, I'm just really intrigued by it. Yeah, I've, there's so, this is a character that can kind of tie in with just about every Marvel character that's out there right yep. now. You can yep. find a way to connect him to them. So the, the possibilities are really intriguing to me Yeah. with him. I, I, on the other hand, I'm really excited about Black Panther, too. I, I, you know what? I said this on an earlier episode. I wasn't really excited about Black Panther. He's never anyone that's really jumped off the page to me um, in, in reading the comics. But the guy who's playing him, I saw him in, uh, I was watching uh, Get On Up, a biopic about, James Brown, yep, and he plays James Brown, and yeah. he, and he is fantastic. And then he plays the the football player that Kevin Costner is is dead set on recruiting in draft day. And I yeah. and I yeah. really loved him in that. I'm like, I'm now excited for Black Panther. I, this guy is a great actor. And draft day is not a good movie, but it's. <laughs> I hate to, it's a kryptonite movie for me. I, dude, I, <laughs> I liked the end it. of that thing more times than I care. I liked it when he set that paper down, and it was like, you know, no matter what, I'm like, oh, it was just a, all the ridiculous trades. You yeah. pancake eating mother effer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this would never ever happen no. in the NFL, but yet I can't stop watching. Well, and so, and that's why they had to use a team like, no offense, but Cleveland. Uh, you know, who, who the only team in the NFL who could possibly take a shot like that <laughs> because, like, they'd be so desperate. Do you think this is a team that you can coach? <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, man. That was, it was, I, I dug it, but I dug him. I dug the Black Panther in that movie. So, yeah. Well, uh, well, that's Ant Man. And I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about it because I always, here's the thing when I see a movie now, this is no lie. And I'm not just blowing smoke here. I'm like, well, I like that. I hope Arish likes it. <laughs> so far, we're pretty much on yeah. par. We're Yeah, we're neck and yeah. neck here, so that's good. I, I will admit, when I texted you the other day, like, have you done a show on Ant-Man yet? And you're like, yeah, I was kind of sad. Oh, man. Well, 
I, I, I'll make this commitment to you from here on. We won't. I'll wait for you for the rest of them. I appreciate that, brother. So that that'll be our thing. Um, and I might we might have some people try to jump in with us, and we might let them. But you know, oh, that's awesome. The more the merrier. We'll do it. Little Marvel potty. There you go. Welcome well, to the potty, Richter. <laughs> Well, looking ahead now to August, um, I dig. I love that we're doing this because you throw these movies out that I just don't. I'm there's so many of them that I wasn't aware of, and uh, and of course we're aware of uh, Fantastic Four will be hitting on August seventh. Yeah, and um, I've been very vocal about this, man. I I just don't know. I just don't know how I feel about what they're doing. They're adapting more of the ultimate Fantastic Four storyline than than my Fantastic Four, uh, and I I don't like that the thing's not wearing pants. There's just a whole lot of things that I see. Uh, well, my big thing is, and, and again, this was just some rumors that I had read early on about, you know, what they were going to do with Doctor Doom that he was going to be like some hacker or something like that, and I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, it just Doctor Doom is just that villain to me that is just he is perfect as he is written on the page. Agreed. Agreed. You don't need to do anything to that character to make him more hip or cool or movie-ish or whatever. Just take it right off the page. Agreed. And roll with it. Agreed. He is he is, I think, Marvel's Stan Lee's greatest villain creation i totally agree with you um he he is even in the early days like i and i was surprised by this because on the marvel unlimited app i've gone back and read like the early early stuff and a lot of it i'd seen in reprints and stuff but there was some i didn't and i never realized i knew that doom was always about the science and the sorcery in the comics yeah and i didn't realize that that went as far back as his very first appearance in the fantastic four and I was like, so this is something Lee and Kirby put in from the get go, and to to kind of to kind of turn this idea on his head, and then to know that he is a dictator of a small Eastern European country, and uh, you know, and and I love how Stan Lee's always said, you know, there's really no law against taking over the world, yeah, <laughs> against wanting to take over the world. So what do you, what do you get this guy on, and? And, and his just obsession with Richards, his obsession with Reed Richards as far as, like, I've got to show that I'm better and greater, and I'm going to use Richards to my end. But there's always been, to a nobility to him from the 70s into the 80s and on. That, you know, they really, they, they, they wrote into this character this twisted code of honor uh, that is just like, he does things sometimes, and you're like, why are you doing this? And he's like, because I'm doomed. Yeah, and you're like that is what is the greatest catch line ever. It's, you know, it's always about it's always about what is best for him. Mm-hmm. You know, he will he will work with the Fantastic Four if in the end it's going to benefit his interests. Right, right. You know, if Onslaught is looking to destroy the entire world, he'll stand there right next to the Avengers and the X Men to defeat him because it's in Doom's best interest that the world continues so that he can take it over. Yes. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, sorry, go ahead. ahead. I'm trying to think of what annual it was, um, where Doom literally kidnaps Reed and Sue's son to offer him up as basically a sacrifice. Um, 
to Mephisto to get the soul of his mother back. And that was the whole story. Like, Doom, and, and you're just like, oh my gosh, this guy's so cold-hearted. You know, and, and so the FF have to go after him to save Franklin Richards. Right. But, you know, and, and I don't know, this, this image of him is like some kind of hacker guy, you know? About the time the news broke that the character might be a hacker in the movie mm-hmm. was the same time and this I don't know this was about 10 months ago or so there was uh, two pages in one of Hickman's Avengers books and I forget which one it was right now but it was a scene with Namor and Doom yes. and they're in Doom's castle in Latveria basically Namor is all his machinations have fallen apart and he's coming to Doom hat in hand to ask for his help mm-hmm Yes. And, and Doom turns him down. And his excuse for turning him down was that Namor came to him second. Yes. I've, I've read that. I read that. It's all leading up to the Civil War, Civil yeah. War Secret Wars and, thing. Yeah. And yeah. Doom's like, and he's like, Doom is no one's second. Yes. And that's why he's not going to help Namor. Well, and what's really awesome to me, one of the things that I've really dug, I, I did go ahead and, and I'm behind about six months on the comics because of the Marvel Unlimited app. But when I was down in Orlando for Star Wars weekends, I took Riley and Bethany Blanton to their first ever comic store. And so just so they could look around and be amazed. Right. And, and while we were in there, I picked up uh, the first three issues of the Secret Wars uh, title. And when everything finally blows up in everyone's face and they figure out a way to save whoever they can save, the reason they do that is because Doom works with Doctor Strange and he basically sets himself up as the god of Battle World. Which and, is what he did in... And Secret Wars. In Secret Wars, <laughs> yes. in the original one. Yes. And I'm just like... Okay, Marvel, you you win. I've again, I've been really iffy about what you're doing, but you win because you get Doom. And yeah. and and I just feel like that what they're doing with Fantastic Four that's coming out on August seventh is the same kind of stuff that was happening back in the early two thousands. You know, as this whole superhero movie renaissance, if if you could even call it that, was taking place, and that yeah, was yeah, it's like in its early infancy. Yeah, it, it and it was a thing of well, we need to tweak this a little bit so it's more palatable, palatable, easy for me to say, uh, on screen for our viewers. And I, I don't know why we can't learn the lesson. There was a raccoon who hung out with a tree. Yep. You know, and I, that's hyperbole. I understand when you're talking about Groot, but at the same time, the concept is there that when I first saw Rocket Raccoon, the first time I ever saw him was way back in the pages of The Incredible Hulk. You could have never told me this guy would be translated to the movie screen. Yeah, and 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 come away being a fan favorite at that. And I'm just like, so why not? Just even though you're not part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Fox, don't fight it. <laughs> just just say. What's on the page? Let's do that. Well, and I think that the big key there is what you just said. You're not part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You don't have comic book guys thinking this all out. Mm. You have suits thinking this all out. Yeah. And that was what was wrong with the first two Fantastic Four movies to begin with, was that it was suits making decisions instead of the creators who know all this stuff like the back of their hand yeah 
I was when in in watching those first two. I I'm not a big defender of them, but I'm not. I don't hate on them the way a lot of people do. They have their moments. It was just uh, they have their good moments and they have their bad. Right. Moments. There's just something off about them. There's just they're, they're just a little bit off of where they need to be. And I and my friend Scott Reif and I think he he put it to me the best way I've heard anyone put it to me. He's like there was nothing fantastic there, um, and. And, and the idea, because we're both fans of the John Byrne run of the Fantastic Four from back in the 80s. And, and the whole idea there was, like, there was this moment where Reed Richards was on trial for saving the life of Galactus. And he was on trial in front of the entire galaxy. Right. And the whole universe was, you know, had representation there to put him on trial for saving Galactus's life. And in and, and those other movies, we didn't really get that sense of wonder and that sense of awe and that sense of adventure that that the Fantastic Four brought to the page in, in the comic books. And I hope this is different. You know, I really do. I, I don't want I don't want the Fantastic Four to be a bad movie. No, neither do I. You know? I want it to be a lot of fun, but just I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm yeah. just I'm worried. Yeah, well we may you know hopefully we'll both be eating some crow come august 7th but i just don't see how that's gonna happen. i don't i don't know that i'm gonna be seeing this one in the theaters um i think i think if i hear if you go and see it and you rave about it and you know mm-hmm. I, I see some other people i know raving about it that will help to change my mind yeah. but right now this is not on my radar i'm, I'm I a, need to, to I'm rush a, the theaters i'm a sick man and i the fantastic four were my favorite comic when i was collecting back in the day I love the Fantastic Four, and okay. and so I just you know I just go because I hope you know what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> I tell you, I, this is one I didn't know about. Uh, Meryl Streep's uh, new I, movie. I was just gonna say that. Well, you're uh, a glutton for punishment with Fantastic Four. I might be in the theater next to you watching Ricky <laughs> and the Flash. Hey, Ricky <laughs> and the Flash. I'll tell you what this movie looks like to me. This looks like one of those movies I'll sit at home. And watch when it's on Netflix, and just cry a bucket or two of tears. Um, it's a it's a story of a of a rock and roll chick who gave up everything in her life, including her family, to go chase her rock and roll dreams. Well, and, and the rock and roll chick in this case is Meryl. Is Street. Meryl Streep? Yeah. So she's in the twilight of her career. You know, she's in that place where she should be legendary, and I. And from the look of this, I can't see where that seems to be the case. No, because it looks like they're playing like small clubs and stuff like right. that. But it looks like she's, you know, been able to cobble together a life with mm-hmm. her and her band with uh, Rick Springfield. Rick in Springfield. It. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, a little bit of a resurgence for Rick these yeah, days. Yeah. I don't know if you're watching True Detective, but he's, he had a cool little role in the I, new season of that as well. I haven't watched any of this season. I've heard it's really weird. It's weird, and he's definitely one of the weird things in it, but really good. Okay, um, it is. It, it like I say, it looks like a feel-good movie. She tries to reconnect with her daughter and her kids, and during the trailer, man, it just rips your heart out because like they hate her. Well, it's it's written by Diablo Cody, who uh, you know took the world by storm with the um, the Ellen Page uh, teenage pregnancy movie. Oh, uh, Juno. Uh, Juno. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, directed by Jonathan Demme, who. You know, won an Oscar for Silence of the Lambs. Um, I believe he directed Philadelphia, but he's done, like, if you look at his IMDb page, he's done, like, 
a whole string of rock and roll documentaries. Okay. A lot wow. of stuff on Neil Young. Like, it, it, this seems like a very personal movie to him from the music side. That it's something that he's kind of spent the last 10 or 15 years of his career, you know, kind of doing these documentaries in the music arena. Yeah. Just um, looking, so looking, definitely some really good pedigree on this. Looking right now, oh man, Bruce Springsteen, the complete video anthology from 2001. Dang, yeah. Yeah, he did Philadelphia, The Silence of the Lambs, The Manchurian Candidate. So The remake of The Manchurian Candidate. Uh, right, I'm sorry, the remake of the... Yeah, I'm seeing two Neil Young things, three Neil Young things here. He's a good friend, big fan of Neil Young, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but Ricky and the Flash, I... Like I say, I don't know that I'll go to... It's not the kind of movie I usually go to the theater to see, but it'll definitely be one I look forward to watching. Um, Just because it, this is the kind of movies that I love to sit at home and watch. These these character pieces with a good story to them and heart and that sort of thing. Uh, Another shocker to me was The Gift. Uh, Jason Bateman in a role that I don't know that he ever thought he'd get to play. (laughs) Very much like a, a... a creepy kind of psychological thriller, almost uh, almost single white femaleish, a little bit, yeah. Um, written, directed, and also co-starring Owen Lars, Joel Edgerton. Joel Edgerton. That's um, now. Who does he play? Is he Simon? Yeah. No. Wow. Is it is yes? I think he is. He's he's the kind of creepy guy who comes into Jason Bateman and his wife's. Who's played by Rebecca Hall, who was right. um, Ben Affleck's love interest? Oh, in I'm the sorry. Town. Jason Bateman plays Simon. He's Gordo. Yeah, Gordo. Wow. Yeah, and the, I, the implication here is that, I mean, the two Simon and Gordo knew each other in high school, mm-hmm. and it's sort of implied that Gordo might have uh, Simon might have bullied Gordo or done something to him in high school. Yeah, and so all these years later, like Gordo, all of a sudden. Like they kind of have a chance encounter and on the street or whatever, and then all of a sudden Gordo's inserting himself into their lives. Yes, and like you know, he's there at dinner and he's sending gifts, and things just get creepier and creepier and creepier. And meanwhile, the secret past of Jason Bateman slowly gets unraveled, and it just, it looks really good. Yeah, the only thing you really see about the past in, in the trailer, in both trailers, is just they pull out a quick file and the question is asked, what'd you do? And then it cuts to Jason Bateman looking like, well, maybe I'm... Yeah, looking all guilty. Yeah. And and what I say about, you know, I mean, look, Jason Bateman had his resurgence because of things like Arrested Development. He's been in a lot of different comedy movies and he's always plays that straight man. You know, he's always the guy who seems to have it together, but the bad stuff is happening too, and everyone else around him is just, you know, full of hilarity and hijinks. And he's he's the one trying to hold it all together. Here, this is just a different role, and it just, I, I don't know, I'm really intrigued by this. And knowing that, uh, you know, Star Wars alum Joel Egerton is, is a part of it just makes me want to see it that much more. Well, and I like, I, I'm intrigued too that Joel wrote and directed it mm-hmm. also. Like, you know, he, this, you can tell that this is something that's, you know, he's very connected to. Yeah. And, and he's one of those, he's one of those actors who's good in everything that he's in. I mean, we joke around about him being Owen Lars, but he's been in a number of pretty, uh, pretty decent sized pictures over the last few years. And he's got some big stuff coming up. Um, I don't know if you saw uh, Warrior. 
the the movie with Tom Hardy about the uh, like the the UFC fighters. No, no. Really, really good movie. Joel Edgerton and Tom Hardy play brothers who are kind of uh, they're kind of split apart by their mm-hmm. dad Nick Nolte. Mm-hmm. Like and um, and one of them I forget which one is like in the military, and they both wind up in this like UFC kind of tournament. And it's just, it's a really, really good movie. It came out in like August a couple of years ago and sort of just disappeared. I think right. the movie was completely mismarketed. If they had released it like in October, I think that it would have uh, at least put both actors in contention for some awards. I remember. they're both really great in it. I remember it being marketed almost as like a UFC version of Rocky is what it seems yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, and they made a big deal about the two of them being brothers and having to fight each other and mm-hmm. stuff. But it's a solid drama that has some great fighting action. It's very much like the original Rocky, where we forget that that was a movie that was a big Oscar nominee and like, you know, was more a drama than just this, you know, two guys slugging it out in the ring kind of thing that Rocky 3, 4, and 5 became. Yes, yeah. So, well, I didn't, I never saw it. I have to check that out. Uh, yeah, see if I definitely can, see if I recommend it. I didn't realize he was in that. Um, he also was in the remake of the Thing, the other remake of the Thing that came yep. out like around 2011. Um, he was in the Great Gatsby, and I know a lot of people love the Great Gatsby or love the fashion or something of the Great Gatsby. I'm yeah. not. Uh, it's the great American novel that puts me to sleep. Zero Dark Thirty. Yes. Um, but this is this is the next big one that he's in. He's in the uh, the Johnny Depp uh, movie Black Mass. That's mm-hmm. about uh, Whitey Bulger, the um, you know like kind of the the criminal mob boss it, that uh, the Jack Nicholson character was based on and Departed. Okay. Yes. Yeah. This is the the new uh, Johnny Depp movie. A new trailer was just released for it today. It's all about Whitey Bulger and uh, Joel Edgerton's and that, and it looks like a really juicy role for him. Cool, nice. So good, good actor, and uh, interesting to see him writing and directing this. So, yes, I, I, that's that's what I'm saying. This whole thing's got me intrigued. From the yep. use of of Jason Bateman right on down to him writing and directing is just, it's really interesting. Um, I'm not big on the Wallace and Gromit train. I, I've never seen anything they've done, but this Shaun of the Sheep is kind of a funny little trailer, dude. Oh, I I love the early Wallace and Gromit stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they were shoo-ins to win best short animated any year that one of them came out. And you can find them, you can probably find them on Netflix now, or there's certainly been DVD compilations. They're a lot of fun. Um, Shaun the Sheep, I'm not all that familiar with the trailer looked fun um but i i put it on there simply because i'm a wallace and gromit fan okay i also like the pirate movie that they did a couple years ago i remember that yeah i I wound up watching that on uh on cable one day and was really surprised about how much fun it was i like the fact they're still using the claymation yeah. Don't, don't don't break my heart and tell me that's computer stuff. <laughs> I think there's some involved in that, but I think there's still a lot of claymation yeah. involved too. Because that's claymation was always one of my favorite things as as a kid, man. I used to love um just it always just seemed kind of something special when when you saw a claymation kind of thing. And uh of course I was a big fan of the California raisins. 
Well, if so, you're a claymation fan, then I've got a movie for you. Christopher Nolan mm -hmm. um, is he's actually his next movie that's being released as a documentary. Um, why is it not showing up here? It's uh, he's doing a documentary about these claymation uh, directors. Oh wow! Um, it's not the Ardman stuff. It's uh, it's something else. Um, but uh, they're really famous in the claymation world. I just saw a little thing on this the other day online. There was but, um, it's a short documentary that he's directed on this that I think is coming out at some point this year. There was a great special back in the heyday of the California Raisins. It was a Christmas special that came on, and the big deal was that the California Raisins were in it, and they were only in it for you know one segment of the thing. Right. And it was just a bunch of musical segments with a bunch of different claymation stuff. There was there was a Carol of the Bells with actual bells, and one of the bells was kind of a you know crazy and weird, and and I just they did a wassling joke the whole time. The through line was this this running gag about wassling. They'd say. Ducks would come along and say, here we come a waddling, and then, then these cooks would come along and say, here we come a waffling, and all this stuff. But uh, but I just always dug that style of animation, that claymation. Gumby, all of it. Not that I liked Gumby. Gumby was always kind of weird to me, but just the idea of claymation always was was pretty cool. So I might check out the Wallace and Gromit if I can find them on your the, recommendation. Uh, Brothers Quay, Q-U-A-Y. Those are the name. That's the name of the guys who he's doing this, uh, this short documentary about. Stephen and Timothy Quay. And who are they? Uh, stop motion animation guys. Okay. What have what have they? I mean, I'm not trying to be a jerk. What have, what have they done? No. They've done a lot of short films and stuff. Um, honestly, I, I'm not familiar with them, okay. but supposedly they're for aficionados of the stuff. They're very well known. Okay. Cool. I mean, Christopher Nolan wouldn't be doing a documentary about them if they weren't. So. For sure, for sure. Um, yeah, I'll, put a, I'll put a link in the, the People's Mixoplex. There you go. August, August is an interesting month because you've kind of got some of these movies that, you know, I feel like like you're Ricky and the Flash on the 7th is going to be kind of a character piece. The Gift is almost, it's not experimental, it's a tried and true kind of storytelling style, but it, it's also just kind of something that's just there it, this feels more like a watching the trailer it feels more like a september october film uh then you hit august 14th and it's like we're still trying to hang on with some summer blockbusters with the man from uncle with superman and, and lone ranger yeah and i don't know that anybody's hanging on to this <laughs> you don't uh, you, you're just, not intrigued it, it looks like it, well it's directed by guy Ritchie, mm -hmm. who directed the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes movie. Right. So we'll, we'll give them some credit there. They, at least the first one was great. second one had its moments. Okay. But this just looks like an absolute mess. Mm -hmm. the, the posters look like somebody who just learned how to work, use Photoshop, <laughs> put them together. <laughs> the trailers, like, good luck to anybody who can tell me what the story of this movie is. From, just from watching you can't, the trailer. You can't it just from seems the trailer. like a mess. Yeah, I can't figure out who the good guy is, who the bad guy is. It's it's very much... Now, The Man from Uncle was a spy show from back in the in in, in the 60s, 70s? Yeah, didn't it, have, didn't it have Robert Culp in it? I want to say it had Robert Culp in it. I might be wrong. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it was a pretty well-known, pretty popular uh, TV show. 
that of which I've never seen an episode. No, neither have I. So um, I I don't know. I watched the trailer and I'm like I'm like you. I'm like it seems just dis- the trailers seem disjointed. They're not really telling me what the story is other than it's spy stuff. And you know the other spy trailer I've seen in the past couple of weeks has been Spectre. And I'm yeah. like that's all I need. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if if we look at August in the past, like August has been the month where the Bourne movies have come out. Mm-hmm. Like, there's usually that one kind of more geared toward the adults, like, kind of action thriller kind of vehicle Yeah. that hits, like, middle of the month that, you know, we're going to capture, like, the last couple months of, uh, of the, sum- the last couple weeks of the summer with this. Um, it's less about Kitty Fair and more about the, the older audience. Right. And I think that that's what they're trying to do with this movie. But it just, yeah. Robert Vaughn was the actor who was in the original Man from Uncle. And it ran from 1964 to 1968. So that's probably why neither of us has seen it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've never even seen it like in syndication or anything. So, yeah. That's all I'm saying. Um, Also, coming out on the 14th is a biopic. Is it biopic or biopic? Uh, You know, I, I think you could say it both ways. Okay. And and I did, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Which is why I said I think you can say it both ways. <laughs> straight out of Compton, the story of NWA and not the National Wrestling Alliance, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Uh, this is not. Don't be confused. This is not a wrestling movie. This is a rap movie, directed by the director of Friday. I love Friday. It is one of my favorite comedies of all time. <laughs> there are so many great lines in that movie. What's that big perm? A uh, big worm? <laughs> All the lines I want to say, I can't say. I know, say. I know, me too. You got knocked out. Uh, <laughs> you got knocked the F out. <laughs> um, this is the story of uh, of this rap group, Ice yep. Ice Cube and um, Dr. Easy Dre. E, Dr. Dre, yeah. And it looks, uh, you know, watching the trailer, it looks really, you know, like they're, they're being as gritty as they need to be and being as truthful as they need to be as, you know, as they saw things happening I back think then. It looks really good. Yeah, yeah. And you also sent me this clip with Ice Cube talking to Jimmy Kimmel about the movie. And I love what he says about he felt like he was in Back to the Future. Yeah. <laughs> he said, every time I turned the corner and ran into my son, because his son is playing his son Ice plays Cube. Him. Yeah. Every time I was afraid to talk to him because I didn't want to, he said, I thought I'd start making people disappear or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I sent you that clip. I'm like, Steve's going to love the Back to the Future bit. I loved it. I didn't want to spoil that by mentioning it. I loved it. I loved but it. But yeah, I, had no, I, I think it's genius that Cube, you know, and, he, and Cube said that his son had to audition for the movie just like everybody wow. else did. Yeah. Um, but his 22-year-old son is playing him at that age mm-hmm. when, the, when the group started. Yeah. And, uh, and I loved how he was talking about how like all the old guys were hanging out on the set and everything. And it was just kind of like this reunion sort of, and being back in the old days and stuff. And, you know, I, I was never big into that style of rap when that, when they broke out with that kind of rap, you know, that was really the, you know, the hardcore gangster or gangsta kind of, this is our life. You know, I, I never was into it. I was always into the fun hip hop. You know, I, I know some of the songs, but yeah, I, I, and I'm aware of who they are and their 
their cultural influence and the importance of the band and stuff, but I can't say that I'm a fan. Right. But I'm um, like you, I'll go see it because it looks intriguing. Yeah, I think it looks really good. So. And I like that it's I like that it's a movie that was made about them with their involvement in it. Right. right. Whenever that happens, you know, like you were you were talking uh, earlier about the the biopic of, of James, James Brown. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was Mick Jagger, I believe, who produced that. Yeah. You know, so you've got somebody who understands the importance of this man and the influence of him and, you know, knew him and stuff involved with making this movie. And I think that that, with things like this, that always adds another level of credibility to sure. and of authenticity. Course. Yep, yep. So it's, it's And F. Gary Gray is a good director. Like I said, I love Friday. He did The Italian Job, which was a great movie. It's done a ton of other stuff, so it's in good hands as well. Yeah. So, I, like I say, I'll see it. I might not go to the theater and see it, but uh, but it's definitely a, a catch on. Uh, it's one of those that I'll be, I'll not be able to wait to see when it when it hits like the Netflix or or the HBO or whatever. Yep. Uh, the following week, um, <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg, Lex Luthor himself, plays Chuck in American Ultra. <laughs> Chuck or, you know, Jason, uh, like Jason, Jason Stone. Oh, yeah, Jason Stone. <laughs> exactly. Jason yeah. Bourne. Jason Bourne, for sure. Um, the, uh, the, the trailer of this is, looks like classic Jesse Eisenberg to me when he's doing some of his talking. It's like it, he was kind of like when he first came on the scene, honestly, before social network, if you ask me, and you might be able to correct me, but he was almost like Michael Sarah if we can't get Michael Sarah. Yeah. Like when you yeah. watch when you watch Zombieland, they cast a Michael Sarah type in in Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. Um of course then after social network, now he just kind of plays the the guy who's a dick. Right. <laughs> Sorry. I I couldn't find another way to say that. That's fun. I mean that's he's been kind of typecast into yeah. that sort of thing. So in this movie, he plays like the stoner who works at the the Circle K, mm-hmm. and in reality, he's a sleeper agent for some secret like spy organization or whatever who gets activated one night when this woman comes in and rattles off the code phrase to him, but he's not really aware that he's a sleeper agent. Like he calls his girlfriend, who's played by Kristen Stewart, and like. I don't know what's going on. These two guys just messing with my car. And I think I shot one of them or something because when the guys confront him, he goes into all this crazy Jason Bourne moves that he knows yes. and like destroys these two guys in the parking lot. He kills them. She's like, did you call the police? I'm like, no, I had some weed and some yeah, mushrooms. He's like, I got weed and shrooms in my car. <laughs> and, and listen, I don't mean to be too overly snarky or, or mean about someone, but Kristen Stewart has really found the perfect role for her as a stoner. Yeah. Those dead eyes, man. It just works. Yeah. Um, it's, I, I don't know. I'm really on the, I don't, I'm not on the fence. I don't know. On the fence is I, kind of I, it surprised me and it looks kind of fun. But yeah. It, I'm not going to go see it in the theater. I'll right. watch it on Netflix or cable. Yeah. I mean, it has potential to be one of those movies that you kind of come away quoting some stuff from. So here's know? the thing that really freaked me out about it though. Cause I, I watched the trailer for it yesterday and this was the first time I had heard of it was yesterday when I was putting the notes together. 
And then before Ant-Man tonight, they showed the Batman versus Superman trailer. <laughs> and Jesse Eisenberg looks exactly the same. I, exactly. I thought the same thing when I saw this trailer. They've been showing this trailer on Hulu for this movie. So, and that's where I consume most of my TV and stuff. And so, uh, so it's been playing. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's got his Lex Luthor here in this. <laughs> so. Well, I was like, oh my god, he's got his American Ultra Stoner hair in this. <laughs> when I was watching the Batman Superman show. Yes, nice. Well, uh, and then Emma Watson and Ethan Hawke. Uh, Ethan Hawke, who I'm, has aged well, really we well. Before we roll into the, okay, that's August 28th. Just August 21st. There's a new Sinister movie out there oh, yeah. for anyone interested in that stuff. Right. There's a new Hitman movie. Uh-huh. Like, did we really need another Hitman movie? Right. Um, so they're 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 opening too. Yeah, I missed that sentence. I'm sorry. Uh, and uh, quite honestly, I think that that's what'll happen to the movie. There you so. go. <laughs> Although I mean, Sinister, I could see people. I could see that making a few bucks. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the these little horror movies, man, they have a life that somehow they just. I guess they make them for so cheap that they don't have to make that much back to just kind of keep the franchise going. Yeah, all you got to do is you know make fifteen, twenty million bucks and yeah. you're golden. Uh, but anyhow, August twenty eighth. I'm sorry, I, I, I was I was jumping way ahead there. Uh, Emma Watson and Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke, who has aged really well. Yeah. He, I mean, he's got a great look about him to start being that older, you know, more middle aged kind of uh, performer in these movies. Apparently. Um, this is all about repressed memories, and it, it looked like it got into some occult stuff there. I, it, it to me, it's a. It looked like uh, the first season of True Detective mixed with uh, a Freud movie. A little bit, yeah. It's a movie called Regression. That uh, again looks like a movie that they were able to to make for not much. It's got a, a pretty decent cast to it. David Thewlis is in there. Yeah, a few other uh, familiar faces pop up in the trailer. Um, it, it looks like a good, tight little again another psychological thriller. Mm-hmm. That yeah. you know, I don't know that I, again. Not a movie I'd go see in a theater, but right. certainly one that I'd watch at home and probably be glued to. to yeah, my seat. the uh, uh, there was a time in in my life in the mid '90s where if David there Thewlis, was a time there was a yeah when if David Thewlis was in a movie. Uh, my friends and I would make a point to go see it just to watch him act uh, because we saw him in Dragonheart. I was just going to say, so you saw Dragonheart like a million times. Yes, in his line... I am the last one. In his line delivery of stuff, how unmotherly of you. <laughs> and and like there was a moment, well, 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 it can't be. But it is. And, and I had a friend that that's what we would see each other on the dorm like from across, like all the way down at different ends of the dorms, and we just go, well, 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 it can't be, but it is. That's why we went, like, we went to see Island of Dr. Moreau because it had Val Kilmer and David Thewlis in it. <laughs> and uh, we regretted that decision. But, um, but yeah, dude, this uh, this movie looks, I'm, I'm like you, it's, it's interesting. I don't know that I'll go see it in the movie theater. I've I got to, you know, I have to watch you know what I spend my money on when I go to the movies, but um, but it's probably one I'll get roped into watching like on a yeah, Saturday exactly. afternoon it's or something. Uh, that's kind of how I judge these two. Is this a fifteen dollar movie or is this uh, you know a Netflix rental or a watching on cable kind of thing? Right, so, a, rain, a rainy Saturday afternoon. 
Yeah. Especially with, you know, by the time it's out, it'll be, by the time it's out on that type of medium, it'll be probably late fall into the winter. And so it's like, yeah, I got nothing else to sit around to do but watch Emma Watson and... uh I'm really digging the whole thing with some of these, uh, you know, smaller movies showing up on video on demand, like the yes. same time that they're in the theaters. I agree. And it's definitely, I, I know that it's kind of ticked off some of the theaters and the theater chains, but, but, at but the end you of the, know, there are movies that these chains aren't going to show anyway. I was going to so. say, and if they do, it's just going to be for maybe a week and, and at random times, you know, just to fill gaps in their, in their schedules, you know, I watched a picture the other day that is actually one that I think you might like because of your your love for music. Mm-hmm. Um, a movie with Al Pacino called Danny Collins. Oh, Danny um, Collins, really good. He um, he plays he plays an aged rock star who is you know he's out there on the tour singing the same songs that he's sung for uh, like thirty years. And he's just going through the motions with it. I gotta um, tell you. And on his birthday, his manager, who's played by Christopher Plummer, and it's fantastic, he gives him a present. And the present is uh, Pacino's character is like a huge John Lennon fan. Like oh. John Lennon is the be all end all for him. And when. Pacino, when Danny Collins put out his first album when he was like, you know, 18, 19 years old, he did an interview with like a faux Rolling Stone kind of magazine Mm -hmm. that John Lennon read and wrote him a letter, Hmm. except Lennon sent the letter to the magazine instead of sending it to him. So the magazine editor sat on the letter for years and then sold it to a collector. Which is where Christopher Plummer's character, like 30 years later, found the letter and bought it and gave it to Danny Collins as his birthday present. So Danny, like, just is blown away. Like, John, and at the end of the letter, John Lennon's like, Call me, my number's here, we can talk. Oh. And so Danny Collins is just like, How would this have changed my life? Like, my life would be so completely different because I definitely would have called him. And he uses it as a catalyst to go back and, like, fix things. Mm. And it gets a little schmarmy and a little feel-goody sappy and stuff. But it's just Al Pacino is brilliant in this role. He is fantastic. He just nails it. Um, Christopher Plummer is fantastic in it. It's got um, Jennifer Garner in it, Annette Bening, Bobby Cannavale. Like, the cast is fantastic. I highly, I definitely recommend this movie. It's ah. on video on demand right now. Um, Entertainment Weekly called it one of the ten best pictures of the year so far. And what's the title? What's it called? Danny Collins. Danny Collins. I gotta tell you. And and the thing is, it's based on a true story. Oh, it's really? Some some folk musician like this really happened to him. John Lennon wrote him a letter that he didn't get until like thirty years after oh, the fact. Oh man. And at the end of the movie, like you see the real guy talking about it. It it broke my heart. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like Al Pacino is one of our greatest living actors, and he's just done. A, he just has not had the right parts for a number of years. Right. And so it's just great to see him in a part that like just fits him really well. Yeah. It fits him well for a man of his age right now and stuff. He just really 
it just felt natural, and it, it was just a pleasure to watch him go at this thing. I'll I'll have to check it out. I'll have to check it out. I love stuff like that. Um, well, Arish, that's that's August, man. That's a look ahead to August. That's and, August, yeah, definitely. And I know that uh, we've got someone in the chat right now who has apparently just returned from seeing Mission Impossible: uh, Rogue Nation. Was and it good? Did they like it? The the it's Matt. It it's Matt Amara's dad on your left, Crowder. Uh, Amara's dad. He is a real American hero, and um and and candidate for Father of the Year. And he said it was awesome. Nice. So uh, Matt is a Matt is an American hero. He he, we were doing a Rock Out Loud one time and oh, and Zoolander two trailer attached to yeah it. yeah. So you know you got to be there for that. But he Matt's the guy who who emailed into Rock Out Loud for uh, I forget what the songs were, but basically he was saying telling us about the songs he was listening to as he was driving a Hummer into Baghdad. Oh, nice. So, yeah, so real American hero there. Good guy and a great dad. But but with Mission Impossible coming out, uh, we decided, you decided, and I thought it was a great idea, uh, let's let's go against the grain and talk about some Tom Cruise. And the only... Tom Cruise. And the only... And the only song I could think of to bring us into this was this. Nice. <laughs> Just take those old records off the shelf. Sit and listen to them by myself. Yes, sir. Slide across the old hardwood floors and your socket feet, and uh, and, and get it on with Tom Cruise. You, you, you know what? You could have gone with a little Kokomo there. Oh, that's true. Fitting. You yeah. could have gone with a little. Went to the danger zone. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. You could have. Um, I, I am. Uh, I'm going to go on record right now and saying that around the same time that I had a friend that we would go and and just for laughs watch a David Thewlis movie, um, we both discovered just a, an innate enjoyment of what Tom Cruise would do in his films. That this is a guy who can act. Believe it or not. Um, and, and, you know, and Eric, in, in talking to me, you're like, you know, let's just talk about his career. Let's leave out all the crazy stuff, all the... Yeah, you know, we're talking the- about Tom Cruise, the movie star, what you, you pay to go see in the theater, not the, the nonsense with him jumping on Oprah's couch or fighting with Matt Lauer or the Scientology <laughs> right. stuff. I mean, that's... I'm not interested in any of that. Yeah. And, you know, it's a guy who has a reputation around as being just a super nice guy. And if you if you watch the Tonight Show, if you, if you if you watch the Tonight Show, you'll see uh, he and Jimmy Fallon do do what now? Uh, I was losing you there. For I'm a sorry. Second. Yeah, it was getting really noisy on my end with some. Are you battles. talking about the lip sync battle? I am talking about the lip sync battle. So much fun! It was hilarious, and I love when they hit those first bars of old time rock and roll. And Tom's like, "No, nah, that just wouldn't be fair." Yeah, well, and Jimmy Fallon's <laughs> face is just like, "No, you're not going to do that to me." But he still did the slide. Yes. Stage yes. with the microphone. Dude, when he did, I can't feel my face, and I mean, like said where he was looking to each camera at the ah. Uh, I yep. was like, this guy's got some comedic chops. He's good well, stuff. Well, and doing both parts in uh, Paradise by the Dashboard yes, Light. Yes, And I love, I love that he acted both parts, too. <laughs> you know, when, when it turned to the guy's part, and he was like, well, let me sleep on it. Mm-hmm. Baby, baby. Let, and, you know, he's got that guy like, uh, you know, I'm not going to tell right. you I love you. Right. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. 
It was so, it just, you came away with it just with a huge smile on your face. Yes, yeah. I, uh, we, we used to watch some of his stuff and, and just be like, I can't believe that this is Tom Cruise because growing up, you know, children of the 80s, it, Top Gun, uh, Cocktail. Outsiders. Uh, Days of Thunder. You know, we looked at him and, and that's kind of those big movies that we knew him from. But then when you start to look at things like, and I've never seen Born on the Fourth of July. I've just seen like little pictures and, and stuff there. And, um. He was nominated for an Oscar for Born yeah. on the Fourth of July. Yeah. Best actor. And I just feel like, you know, being the fan of movies that I am, I'm like, that's something I should see. But his turn in Rain Man opposite uh, Dustin Hoffman was yep. just, he was outstanding in that role, you know? And, and he's someone who, a lot of guys like him who are the good looking guys who, you know, will do the stuff he'll do, have the danger of being typecast. And he's someone who never really let himself get too typecast into things. No, because he did, he did top, well, he does Legend, where he plays like this fairy. <laughs> yeah. Then he does, then he does Top Gun, where, you know, he plays like, the most macho kind of guy that you can play. And then he follows that up by playing a total D-bag in The Color of Money. Then he plays a different kind of D-bag in Cocktail. Mm -hmm. You know, then he's doing two Oscar movies in a row in Rain Man and Born on the Fourth of July. And now I'm going to go drive NASCARs in Days of Thunder. Yep. Yep. You know, it's like you can't pigeonhole this guy. Well, and I mean, and look who he's worked with in his career. Everyone from Spielberg to Kubrick, you know, he worked on a Kubrick film, to Ridley Scott, uh, Cameron Crowe. Marty Scorsese. Yeah, Ron Howard. I mean, everyone. Tony Scott. Everyone but George Lucas, basically. Pretty much, yeah. J Cameron, yeah, you said Cameron Crowe. Yeah, J.J. Abrams, of course, Brad Bird. Yeah. You know, they both had their live-action features. Uh, their, yeah, he's their the guy who launched their live-action directing careers. Mm. You know, J.J. Abrams and Brad Bird. And that, you know, and that blows your mind when you think that J.J. Abrams' first live-action film that he directed was Mission Impossible 3. Yep. You know, and Brad Bird was Mission Impossible 4. Yep. And, uh, and, and it just, you kind of, you're like, man, but these guys, and J.J. Abrams, not just because of the Star Wars thing, but, you know, he's, you know, he's kind of a household name because of his writing and producing and the different stuff that he's, you know, put on TV. And you're like, really? Yep. That was his first one? And, uh, and that's, you know... And 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 that's the type of people that that Tom Hanks would would look out for. I like what you say here. Aside from possibly Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep, you say you can't think of an actor who has better managed the film side of his career as well for so long. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, look at how. Okay, let's go. When did what was the first movie he did? Was endless, he was in Endless Love in nineteen eighty one. Mm -hmm. So we're talking almost thirty five years. Right. Making pictures. And you just look at those directors that he's worked with. And some of those guys he worked with multiple times. Mm -hmm. Spielberg, Cameron Crowe, did multiple pictures with them. There's actors that would kill to do one movie with that list of right. directors. Right, right. And, and, and he's done multiple movies mm -hmm. with them. He's, had, he's been nominated three times uh, for an Oscar. He's been in movies that won Best Picture. Rain Man won Best Picture. Um, he's had movies that have just been box office champs. Um, he's promoted a lot of talent where, you know, giving them their first shot. We talked about J.J. and mm -hmm. we talked about 
Brad Bird in. He's pretty much doing the same thing with Christopher McQuarrie now, who directed uh, the new Mission Impossible, but also directed um, Jack Reacher for him. Um, you know, the guy just, he just keeps busting out good movie after good movie. But he also, he seems to have a good sense of humor about himself. You know, you look at his role in uh, in Tropic Thunder. Oh my gosh, yeah. The Lev Grossman role was fantastic. Yeah. And I read, uh, I don't know if you read Grantland or not. It's the the kind of spinoff site that Bill Simmons launched off of ESPN. Right. It, it it's easy to think that it's all sports. It's not. It's like half sports and half pop culture, and they do a lot of movie stuff on there. Mm-hmm. All week long, they have been running a whole series. It's Tom Cruise week. Okay. They've been running all these great articles on Tom Cruise. And today they had an oral history of Lev Grossman. That character was Tom Cruise's idea. Like, they, when they were early on in development for Tropic Thunder, like, they were talking to Tom Cruise about possibly playing the Ben Stiller role, the Tug Speakman part. Yeah. And then Stiller decided he wanted to play it. And so Tom Cruise helped them develop. It was his idea. Like, you need like a Hollywood producer in this. Like, that guy needs to be your second villain. And then, like, he's like, he should be fat and like with really hairy arms. And like, I want to dance. Like, that whole character was all him. He came up with that whole idea for that character in the movie. Yes. And I didn't realize he came up with the whole character. I just love that character. And I didn't know he was in there. And when I saw it, I was just like, that's Tom Cruise doing that. And yeah, they was... didn't promote him as being in the movie. Mm-hmm. He wasn't on the posters for it. No. Um, and there were people that saw the movie and then heard Tom Cruise was in it. It was like, who is Tom Cruise? Exactly. Yes. Yes. But also, you know, like those little things with Fallon, you know, you say he's got such a good humor, a sense of humor about himself. Like those things with Fallon, there are a lot of actors who, you know, if they had done that role that Cruz did, the iconic slide into old time rock and roll, every time they heard that piano hit, they'd roll their eyes and be like, can yeah. we be done with this? You know, but he breaks it out because he knew it was funny. Same thing with like when Kevin Bacon did the Footloose bit on Fallon. Yeah. Um, you know, it's that kind of stuff that that he does and and like I say, every any time I've heard anyone talk about him, he's just had this great you know, reputation as being super friendly. He did um he did the 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 film version of Rock of Ages and he was on stage at Comic-Con promoting probably uh Edge of Tomorrow a couple yeah. either last year or, or maybe a, I don't know, but anyhow, Chris Hardwick was um, moderating the panel, and Chris Hardwick had done it live on on Broadway. And so Tom Cruise was like, well, let's sing one of those songs together. And like right there, put Chris Hardwick on the spot. Chris didn't put him on the spot. He did put a Chris Stacey Jacks song. Yeah, to do a state because Chris Hardwick played Stacey Jacks on in, in Broadway or on the stage performance right. of it. And so he's like, well, let's do a song real quick. And so they did a couple of bars of a song together. And Tom Cruise put him on the spot to do it. You know, not the other way around. And you know, a lot of, some actors would be like, "Yeah, okay, I'm done with that. I'm going to move on." But he, he seems to have a good balance of, "I really enjoyed this. This meant something to me. It was fun, and I understand it was fun for you people or you know the fans. So I'm not going to push it to the side." But he's also smart in that, like the Jimmy Fallon thing Monday night has gotten ton of play. Oh sure, yes. I mean, look, you and I are talking about it like four days later on a right. podcast, right? 
you know, so he's he's calculating in that manner also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you've you've sent in your top three Tom Cruise films. <laughs> I, I got to be honest with you, mm-hmm. like to pick a top three is kind of difficult for I understand. me. I understand. So are these any particular order? We need to go one, two, three, or three, two, one, because I can bounce back and forth with you. I've got I've picked three as well. Why don't we both start with our number three? Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to go with, and I didn't know if it was a cheat or not, so I put a slash after it in case it was, but I'm going to go with the aforementioned Tropic Thunder. Okay. I really enjoyed that role. I was surprised to see him in that role, and um, and I thought he just tore it up when he started. <laughs> Shorty got the apple bottom cheat, and he's just doing his little dancing and stuff, and he's just such a jerk. He's yep. such an evil, evil jerk. I was just like, this is hilarious. Props to Tom Cruise for doing this this role here, and uh, in such a in such a weird movie as it was. I mean, that movie is very you know. There is so much brilliance. Yes, in that it movie, is. Though. It's brilliantly weird. That's the. What thing. do you mean, you people? What do, what do you mean, you people? <laughs> <laughs> but I put a slash next to that in case you wouldn't accept Tropic Thunder, and I went with Jerry Maguire. I I uh, I watched Tropic. I watched bits of Tropic Thunder on. Uh, it was on like FX or something the other day. Yeah, I was so disappointed that they they like dubbed over the you went full retard. Uh, do, do they? Yeah, oh, they man. they wouldn't say retard. Mm. And it's one of the best scenes in the whole yeah. movie. Yeah, well, it sets you up never every go full retard, and it sets up everything that comes down the the line with with uh, uh, Ben Stiller's character there. Yep. Uh, but I did put a slash in case you wouldn't accept that I put Jerry Maguire down. I, I well, I definitely considered Tropic Thunder, but I don't really see it as a Tom Cruise movie. Right, right. That's, so, that was my thing. I didn't think it was like a Tom Cruise because he's not the lead man. Yeah. And that's why I also went with Jerry Maguire because that role to me, that movie is so quotable. He is he is full on charming Tom Cruise in that movie. But it's also another Oscar nomination but it's, for him. And it's a great story of a man trying to figure out his place in life and what he's really going to be all about, you know, yeah. and the complications of love. Because he's a, at the end of the day, Jerry Maguire's this nice guy, you know, and, and that's what leads him into this relationship with Renee Zellweger. But he knows he something's off and he can't really quite figure it out. But then when he's not with her, something's off, and that's ultimately a big deal. And he plays all those things so perfectly you know and uh and and i just i dig jerry Maguire. it was my chick flick pick of the year that year and and with good reason yeah it's a great cameron crow movie another one where he uses the soundtrack to uh really good effect yes yes yeah, hard to argue with that i went with uh i went with mission impossible ghost protocol and i'm unfortunately only seen that one time and I just remember really digging it. Now, my friend Derek, he was like, hey, I didn't care for it. I'm like, I really liked it. I think it's the best of the MI movies. Um, it's got the great opening sequence where Tom Cruise breaks out of the prison. It's got the cool sequence in the Kremlin. It's got the awesome sequence on the, the skyscraper where mm-hmm. he's crawling up the side of it. And then the sandstorm chase. There's just a lot of really cool moments. Yeah. Now, see, I like three better than Ghost Protocol. I do know that much, and it and that has a lot to do with the performance of. Um, oh my gosh, why did I just blank on Philip Seymour? Thank Hoff. you, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. I'm like, what three names is it? What three names? Is it? Yeah, I loved him as a villain. 
in that movie and and it, it, it was great the scene where he's just hanging him out the the, yes, the door yeah. in the airplane do you have a girlfriend oh, no that's too southern do you have a yeah. girlfriend a wife well and the thing that i love about mission impossible 3 is we never find out what the rabbit's foot is like that's classic jj abrams yep like you don't need to know what it actually is you just need to know that it was something of value it's a MacGuffin. Yeah, um, so the whole movie, they're chasing after this object that we never find out what it is. Mm-hmm. And it's also the first film where they gave Ethan Hunt a little bit of... Uh, they, they, they rounded him out a little bit better by showing his personal life, by showing yeah. that he was engaged and, and this stuff. And that's something you didn't get in the first two. You know, he was just a spy doing his yeah. job. And, and and regardless of whether he liked the girl in the John Woo movie or not, it didn't matter because, you know, they were trying to make him almost into an American James Bond. But here in 3, you really got that kind of well-rounded thing. Again, I've only seen Ghost Protocol the one time. I remember really liking it and just never went back and revisited it again, though. So uh, I have to say the second one, that's probably one of the few Cruise movies that... I really wouldn't want to watch again. I just did not like the second one. It's on Netflix right now, and the other weekend, I've not seen it since I saw it in theaters, and the other weekend, I watched the first one and the second one back-to-back. It's okay. You know, it's not bad, but it's just, it's, it's you know, how it, there's a cool motorcycle chase in it and everything. The story's not that bad. It's just kind of like... It's, he does rock bottom somebody on the beach. Yes, yeah, the bad guy. That's what I thought when I saw that. It's very much Diamonds Are Forever, almost, where where it, yeah. it almost seems, the plot almost seems too inconsequential, you know, until until you kind of get to the big end, and it's like, oh, it's a weapons dealer going to sell to some of the worst people in the world kind of thing. But leading up, it just seems kind of like, well, what is the deal? But, uh, and it's got the John Woo dubs. It sure does, man. It sure does. And, and they're telegraphed as they're just kind of walking along the floor as he runs right yeah. through <laughs> Um, my number two was also aforementioned Legend, where he plays the fairy, where he plays that guy. This movie captured my imagination the first time I saw it. It captured my imagination, A, because it was Tom Cruise, and B, because it was this weird attempt at fantasy that I don't know was pulled off great, but there was just something about it that I watched it again and again and again and again and again. And, you know, of course, Tim Curry is the devil. Yeah, but uh, uh, just amazing. But I really, really dug this movie and and was you know shocked to see a young Tom Cruise the first time I watched it playing basically Link from Legend of Zelda. Um, but it's it's interesting. It's it's a really it's almost a in some ways it feels sometimes like an art film more than a fantasy. A little film bit, from the yeah. Mid-80s. yeah. I mean, R- Ridley Scott directed that one, and uh, just some. Yeah, just like, I mean, the fake snow, that it, it it's like, okay, that's intentional. You kind of feel like it's intentionally fake because right. of the way it looks and mm-hmm. stuff. But it's it's Tim Curry who absolutely steals that movie. Yes. Oh, just sure. from the oh, moment sure. when he first appears where that hoof just, like, comes down. Yeah, yeah. well, in the makeup job yeah. in that scene. The, I the mean, horns it was, on it, his yeah, head and everything. It was, just, it was perfect, but it was such a... Like I say, it it almost feels like an art film, but it's one of those movies I just couldn't look away from when I'd watch yep. it, you know, and, and so I really dug it. My uh, my number two is uh, The Last Samurai. So good. I just really dig that movie. So good. 
It uh, went the 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 line of I won't tell you how he died, but I'll tell you how he lived. Yeah, it's just like it it sums it all up. It's uh, I didn't know what I'd think of that when I saw it again because I, for whatever reason, as much as I went through a phase with a friend of mine where we're like Tom Cruise is the bomb, I just saw it. And I'm like Tom Cruise in a samurai movie, and and then as I sat and watched, I'm like, this is so good. Yeah. So I just I, and it's got a great cast in it. I just I I loved all the stuff with him training and like having to kind of earn his way in amongst them, but then using his knowledge of military tactics at the end and stuff just a lot of great stuff in that movie yes yeah so it was um who who did that that was uh Uh, edward zwick i think yeah yeah who uh directed glory Mm -hmm. which is another absolutely fantastic movie but you've also gotten there the likes of ken watanabe and billy conley who i I just billy conley's one of those people again that to me he just he kind of captures my attention when he's on screen even if it's just for a minute you know but uh, but yeah, this it was it's such a good movie and it's one definitely worth revisiting several times over. You know, if you've got the time to sit down and watch it, it's, it's really good. Uh, my number one is a, it's an obvious choice, I think, but it's a few good men. I love a few good men, and I know he's surrounded with you know it, it's him and Jack Nicholson really that that kind of carry that thing, and I know that Jack Nicholson gets the memorable lines, but he plays that character of just like, I, I don't give a crap that leads into this matters. This is important. There's something deeper going on. Uh, and I'm going to get, I'm going to be the person who, who gets this Colonel to, to out himself and let us know what's happening down there. And, um, based on a stage play, you know, that basically, I think the play originally just takes place right there in the courtroom. Right. You know, whereas in the movie we get to go to apartment and 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 down to Cuba and all this stuff and and like I say, you know, Jack Nicholson has a performance in that that is Jack Nicholson, you know, performing, but Tom Cruise holds his on there with him, and and never forgets his place and never forgets what he's supposed to do. There's that moment when he's getting ready to press uh, Colonel Jessup there on the stand, and and you can just see it all over his face of, yeah. you know, I'm stealing myself to do this. I need to make sure I do, you know, and, and, and then it's just, he goes for it. And when he goes for it, he goes from this, this kind of insecurity to, I'm just going for it. Here we go. You know? And when he makes the decision, he, you know, Daniel Kathy is just like, I'm there. And, and he's all in. And, uh, and Tom Cruise plays those whole, you know, the whole ride in such a good way to me. And I just love the movie. It gives me the feels as they say on the internet. It's a very important, it's a, it's almost a, a cornerstone movie in the six degrees of separate of Kevin Bacon. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Because there's so many big actors who have been in so many movies with so many other people that are in that movie. Yeah. So like you, know, you got Jack Nicholson, Demi Moore, Kevin Pollack, uh, you know, all of them help connect you to other uh, other actors to Kiefer, Kevin Bacon, Kiefer Sutherland, Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah, I forgot Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, I, it's, I, it's a big. It's it's definitely one that you couldn't do six degrees of Kevin Bacon without a few good. Men. I love Kiefer Sutherland's line. I have two. I have two books on my nightstand: the Marine Code of Conduct and the King James Bible. I I answer to my commanding officer and the lord our god 
All right. Did you order that code red? You're goddamn right I did. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> Edit. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, man. Um, I was, again, another movie I was tempted to put on my list, and I didn't because... As you said, Jack kind of steals. Yeah. I mean, all the memorable lines are Jack's lines. That's at right. The, end, the mm-hmm. whole, you need me on that wall speech. Um, so I went with, uh, I went with the color of money as my number mm-hmm. one. I just, there, there's just a, a feel and a vibe to that movie that I dig. I love Paul Newman. Um, this is the movie that he won his Oscar for. Um, I just really dig it. I dig the soundtrack. I love the, the scene in the pool hall where Cruz is dancing around the werewolves of London. Um, it's just, I, I've seen this movie countless times and it's definitely a kryptonite movie for me. If I'm flipping through the channels and it's on, I'll stop to watch it. Yeah. Suddenly, suddenly you have no power to continue flipping. Yeah. So. I got a couple honorable mentions though. Yes. Uh, I, I it sounds super cheesy, but I, I love cocktail. Okay. And, and maybe because it's so super cheesy that it is why I love it. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's just something about it that I'll watch it. Um, Edge of Tomorrow. Dude, I'll watch it. Die, repeat, whatever the hell they're calling this movie today. <laughs> if you have not seen this movie, see this movie. I watched this last weekend as well. And. Man, I this is a it's a good movie. It is so good. It's funny. The action is great in it. The story is good. You think that it's going to get old really quick, and it doesn't. It Mm-mm. holds together. Really, really impressed with this movie. They I cannot took, recommend this movie. They enough. took a lot of notes from Groundhog Day, and you know, and and did things just right so that you see the same things that you need to see every day. You know, every time he wakes back up, and you, but you don't have to go through some of the slower moments. And his comedic timing, when he's finally at the point where he knows exactly what's going to happen, and he runs in ahead of the the commanding officer to to hide the card game, you know, for him. Yeah. You know, just to endear them to himself really quickly. It's like his timing is so good uh, in some of those moments. And yeah, I I dug this movie in a big way. And Emily Blunt is amazing in it. Yes. She is so cool, so kick-ass. Um, yeah, th- this is another one. The studio just screwed up with this one. They had no idea how to market this movie. Yeah, it was well. They had no idea how to title this movie. When you looked at it, they called it "The Edge of Tomorrow," but on all the posters, it was just "Live, Die, Repeat." Yeah, and well, and I think the original title for, wasn't the original title like "All You Need Is Kill" or what? something like that. <laughs> I, I believe so. I might be wrong. Wow. Though, but I, I mean, it, 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 they they released it in the theaters as Edge of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Then they released it on DVD as Live, Die, Repeat. Yeah. Like they kept, cha- they literally kept changing the title of this movie. And they do something interesting with the aliens in this movie. You know, the aliens are a big part of what's going on. Yeah. And and it in in the whole concept of what's happening and then and then as they're on their way spoiler alert as they're on their way to go after the basically the alpha um or the omega i forget which one it was but if they're going to, as they're going to try to wipe it out you know finish their thing there's a moment where you're like oh crap he's done this before you know that you never yeah. saw coming and and so 
um, it's it's really a a good movie. And, I, and it, when I saw this thing in the theater last summer, and I saw it like a couple weeks after it came out because I kept hearing great things about it. I'm right. like, I'm just going to go see it. People were laughing and clapping and cheering throughout like the whole movie. Really? They just the audience that was in there, and it was maybe forty percent full or whatever when mm-hmm. I saw it. Like they were really into the movie, and when that happens, you know that's a good sign. Right, right. right. And, and this is just one of those ones that anytime you mention this to somebody and they've seen it, they react just like you and I did. Like this was a great movie. Like I didn't expect it. It was so good. So if you guys haven't seen it. Go see it. Or or rent it or whatever. It's on cable. It's on Netflix. It's all over the place. And and if you don't like Tom Cruise, go see it for Bill Paxton. (laughs) Yes. How can you not like Bill Paxton? Oh, man. I don't know. I've got some ways. But I'm telling you, in this one, it was pretty good. I'm telling you, it was funny to me. I have one more honorable mention. Of course you do. And this was a, uh, this has definitely been a kryptonite movie of mine. Uh, Jack Reacher. Okay. Now, the only reason this didn't make my top three is because I read the Reacher books written Mm -hmm. by Lee Child. They are, they're crack to me. I've read like 12 of them in this past year. I'm I'm reading one right now. Um, Absolutely love these books. Tom Cruise is not Jack Reacher. (laughs) Jack Reacher in the books is, it's probably built more like Kevin Nash than Tom Cruise. He's just a big... He's a big guy. Wow. Okay. And it was one of the big complaints that Reacher fans had when it was announced that Cruz was going to be doing these movies was, you know, Cruz isn't Reacher. And, uh, and actually, Trisha Barr texted me the other day because I was texting with her about reading the book. And she's like, so when you're reading the books, do you see Tom Cruise? I'm like, absolutely not. But that said, I really, really dug this movie. There's some cool stuff in this movie. There's some cool action scenes in this movie. It's a tight little, uh, like, thriller. Like, he's a... Jack Reacher is a very no-nonsense, take-no-gruff-from-anybody kind of character. Um, I really, really enjoyed the movie. And there's some great action sequences. Um, Particularly, there's a fight sequence in a bathroom that is just really cool. Well, and uh, I mean, you, you, we should mention, you know, Top Gun, of course, probably one of the more iconic movies or just big hits that people still talk about. I, I love that he's saying that he'll he'll make Top Gun too, but only if they use real planes. <laughs> he won't make it if they're going to CGI the planes. Yeah, yeah, and he wants to be in a plane. He doesn't want to be in the role that um, Tom Skerritt was in 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 the first one. He I can still see him as doing it. Yeah, I could. He's fifty three years old, and he like doesn't look all that different than he no. did like fifteen years ago. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, one, I, I'd like to throw in another honorable mention. Uh, yeah. Collateral. Yes. With uh, with he and Jamie Fox. Um, of course, Jamie Fox did a good job in this movie, but Tom Cruise playing a role like I'd never seen. Played the bad guy. You know, and it was just he was really good at it. And just a really good movie. It, it, it's another one of those kind of suspense thriller kind of things. And uh, I really, I really dug it when I watched it. And he had a different look about him. You know, he he, he frosted his hair up and yep. 
Well, yeah. Michael Mann shot the whole thing in, uh, I believe, in like HD video. So just the whole movie has a different look to it. Yep. Yep. So, uh, so definitely, I think worth checking out if you haven't. You know, at the end of the day, I, you know, I don't put Tom Cruise up there as one of my favorite actors of all time, but he's definitely someone that I, I've never, I've never come away watching Tom Cruise being like, well, he kind of sucked. Yeah. You know. And that's and I'm not a and I'm not an expert on Tom Cruise's. I mean, uh, he's he's had some dog movies, like I would say, uh, you know, Rock of Ages was one of those. But he <laughs> was he was the highlight. In that he movie was. Before. He really was. I didn't care for Minority Report that much. You know. Yeah, neither um, did I. Uh, War of the Worlds was one of those movies. I was like, I guess this is good, you know. But it's just it wasn't anything I would. I haven't I haven't really revisited it since I Isn't saw. Isn't that just sad that like the two Spielberg movies yeah. are the ones that we're not digging on? Right, right, right. And it's just so you know, but I and again, but he wasn't bad in those. No, movies. that's my point. He wasn't bad. He you know he did what he had to do in those things and and was actually you know did a good job. But the movie itself wasn't wasn't necessarily the best. And I'm not an expert on Tom Cruise's filmography, you know. But I, again, I respect the guy as an actor. And, uh, you know, next time we need to, you, you, you mentioned Tom Hanks. If you want to start talking someone I love, I'd sit oh, and watch. We have to do it. We got to do a Tom Hanks show. I'd sit and watch Tom Hanks eat a pile of hair if they filmed it. I could just, I could do a whole pass the corn just on Tom Hanks on SNL. There you go. <laughs> exactly. You know, just on him doing Celebrity Jeopardy. Yes. How did you get your hands stuck in the pickle jar? I wanted a pickle. <laughs> And Tom Hanks is stuck in a plastic bag. <laughs> oh, man. Good times, Erish. Good times, well, sir. Let us know if you want us to do shows on any specific actors or whatever. Yeah, that'll be fun. That's a that's a great idea. We also want to get Kristen on at some point and do some soundtracks. Yes. Favorite soundtracks, that sort of thing. Do kind of a rock out loud, geek out loud crossover. It'd be good times. That's right, baby. Cross it over. That's right. Like we're we are the MCU of podcasting. So, like well, that. Uh, as always, man, when you come on, it's a great time, Irish, and and I appreciate having you on, sir. I appreciate you having me on, my friend. Shoot us an email at geekoutonline at gmail.com, geekoutonline at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. We're at geekoutloud is the podcast. Irish is at Darth underscore Duff. I'm at Steve Gloss, and you can follow everything that's going on with the Goloverse by following at Goloverse. And hashtag pass the corn. Yes, definitely. Hashtag pass the corn there on the Twitter. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash geekoutloud. Isn't there some Del Rey pages that people get involved in over on Facebook? There are, um, but honestly, I can't think of the addresses right now. I was, try- I was trying to find them a while ago, and I couldn't find them, and so I'm sorry to put you on the spot. Uh, hey, I'm going to ask for money. Head over to the Amazon links at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com. Use those links to do your Amazon shopping. It helps out the shows in big, bad ways. And, of course, if you want to support us directly, do so at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. And don't forget our sponsor, audible.com. Over 150,000 titles to choose from from every single genre you can think of. audibletrial.com slash geekout. Please, people, support, support. We need to allow Steve to be a gentleman podcaster about town. <laughs> I'm going to get to a con with you at some point, and I'm just going to wear a suit and walk with a cane. He's got, he's got to buy some new Hawaiian shirts. That's right. He's got, 
He's going to live the podcaster lifestyle. That's right. That's right. And it means more shows for him. That's right. Well, man, Arish, good to talk to you. I don't, we hadn't done this since before Comic-Con. So. I know. It's been a month, man. I too know. long. Too long. Too long. Too well, long. we've made our plans, and we know that we'll be together for a very long time. So. We'll, we'll be watching Ricky and the Flash together. There you go. Holding <laughs> each other with a box of Kleenex between us. And, we'll, and I'll be like, hey, Irish. Hey, Steve. Pass the corn. Pass the corn, man. <laughs> All right. Well, have a good one, everyone. We'll see you next time on Geek Out Loud. Kenny Loggins, the voice of the 80s. Oh, yeah.